Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a special recording. We're having, we're bringing back the favorite uh, podcast episode guests, and today my dad joined me for a conversation about keeping time and the ways that we as people of faith approach our time and the seasons of the year differently. And the way that the liturgical calendar specifically invites us to look at the world and pay attention to things going on around us in a slightly different way. I wanted to just say in listening back to the audio recording, unfortunately, I was using a new microphone uh, for this call and it doesn't sound great. So I apologize for the sound quality on my end. My dad's voice comes through pretty clear. I think you'll still be able to make it out. Um, but we'll use a different microphone in the future. Should have tested that ahead of the time. Still hope that you enjoy it, though. It's a fun conversation. And I think hopefully we'll give you some new insights, some new things to pay attention to and to understand and to recognize that we as people of faith are invited to move through the seasons of the year in just a different way um, than maybe that of the world around us. It's a fun conversation. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and passing this podcast along with to friends and family. Please keep doing so. We love having new listeners. Check us out. Uh, but now, a conversation between Reverend David Preisinger and me, myself, Pastor Nate, on keeping time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. During this uh, season leading up to Christmas, I'm bringing back some of the favorite guests of the show. And so we have on the line one of my favorite guests, whether he's visiting my house or a guest on the podcast. Hey, Dad, is that you? It's me. Hi, Nate. How are you doing? Uh, yes, the Reverend David W. Pricinger is joining us on the line. Um, yes, my dad that how long were you a lutheran pastor for you're retired now like it's kind of once a lutheran pastor always a lutheran pastor but how many years of ministry did you serve before retiring well i've been ordained for 43 years and i read i think 41 years when i retired wow all right 41 years of ministry you've been ordained for 48 um and i am not 43 43 not 48 (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to add a couple extra there uh, so, yeah, and you served congregations in upstate New York. Um, let's see, right? Like, first one was in Syracuse. That's where right. I was baptized. And then where'd you move from there? We moved Utica. to Utica, our Savior's Lutheran in Utica. And then you took that job on Senate staff as the bishop's assistant. And you did that for a long time. I did that for a long time. <laughs> and then you finished, finished out your career in albany new york at um wait and i'm I'm blanking on the name at the moment because this is the one that happened after i left the house your last congregation holy spirit church of the holy spirit i was there only half time and the part of the first couple years i was there was still half time on synod staff i was slowly retiring from that and then the last four years i was full time uh, half time only at once I got my Medicare, I went to whole, just half time. <laughs> Always looking to save a buck. Um, that's my dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, but you were at Holy Spirit in total 10 years there at the end, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, that's right. That's great. So that's a, hey, thanks for all the work you did for the church over your career. Good work. Um, and I'm bringing you on. The listeners of the program will remember last time we brought Dad on, he and I talked about time travel, a shared passion of ours. 
Um, have you read any good time travel books lately, perhaps that your son sent you? I I am down to the last 15 pages. It's been doing it this afternoon. The last one you sent me was the, the Doomsday book, I think. The Doomsday book, which I would highly recommend to anyone. I'm sure you've enjoyed it. It's been good, right? It's been, yeah, I've learned a lot about the bubonic plague. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's a, it's a cool book in that it takes place in the future 2056 or something like that, where they've developed time travel, and now colleges and universities are using it to go back in time to study history. So they send someone back in time, and then in 2056, a pandemic breaks out. So there's just some crazy things going on that are very relevant <laughs> to our life today, I would say. Um, hey, well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, a little time travel. A little time um, travel, yes. But today, I brought you on uh, to kind of shift this conversation about time travel a little bit, and just to have a conversation about the ways that the church keeps time, the ways that we observe time moving. Um, as you mentioned, as we were getting prepped for this, right, we just moved into the season of advent which is actually the beginning of the church calendar year so dad why don't you just kind of talk to us give us an overview um just to start here of this liturgical calendar just do like a quick you know we'll go back into more detail in a second but just help the listeners understand what this liturgical calendar is in case they're not familiar well it advent is the season we're in now and it's often called a season of preparation or already not yet uh, that's the season before Christmas, and mm -hmm. it ties with preparing for Christmas and so forth. And we have the season of Christmas, which is, you know, celebrating the birth of Jesus. We move into Epiphany from there. Epiphany is, uh, again, a time of coming light, of growing awareness of who, who Jesus is, of God being here. Then it's Lent, and as the days lengthen, uh, we move to Easter. And Easter is a celebrated season. It's seven weeks long, and it's lots of light and energy and hope. And then you move into the season of uh, Pentecost, which is also called the green season, and continue in that. And we start the calendar all over again in, in the, usually the last week of November, beginning of December. Right. That's That, that was a really good overview. Thanks. And, and it's what what we're showing you here, too, by just talking about the liturgical calendar, the real intent of it is that it is a way for um, people of faith, people of the Christian faith, to observe the year just a little bit differently than maybe how society would invite us to observe it. And so we make our way through each and every year this cycle of the liturgical seasons. And each season, you kind of touched on it a little bit, and we'll go into more detail here in a second. Right, each season has its own focus and its own invitations. Right, it's inviting us to pay attention to different parts of our life of faith, different things going on within our within our soul at different times of the year, and to have a rhythm for the way that we move through the year. And it is very much so, right? Like meant to be a different way of keeping time, a different way of living in the world as time passes each and every year. And so there's some like super cool ways to kind of engage it and, and things that these liturgical seasons push us into. Um, and I just love thinking about all of this stuff because I've noticed in my life, um, I just I give a lot of attention to 
what's going on in the world around me and, and what is it that I feel like doing based on the seasons, right? Like, so I'm out here in Colorado and everyone is really excited for ski season, which just began, um, right? Like that's something you can't do at other times of the year. Kind of the same with liturgical seasons. That anything more you kind of want to say about this part of the puzzle of like how the church approaches time just a little bit differently? Couple of things. I, I, I could have said it too with the calendar, and at least in the northern hemisphere, the church calendar and the seasons of the year follow with what's going on in the calendar as well, which means we've probably set up the the liturgical calendar when it was first set up way back in who knows when, was taking into account the cycles of the world and connecting them and helping us to connect to God with us and moving through time, recognizing that God is with us and part of the seasons, etc. cetera. Um, so what the, we beginning with Advent, and Advent's a, you know, it's always a season that's, it's, it's called a season of hope, but it's also a time of darkness looking to the light. And if you want to follow, you know, it's time of year. It's dark during Advent. Uh, the days are getting shorter and shorter. There's more and more darkness. But there's this hope for the light at the end. And we, we celebrate that even in the Advent season with, with candles being lit each week uh, as the Advent wreaths get brighter and brighter and brighter toward the coming of Christmas. And if you want to look at the real calendar too, Christmas is right at the time where, where the sun worshipers anyway, you know, it's the solar, the winter solstice, winter solstice the days yeah. begin to get longer and longer. And just a little historical fact here, the day of Christmas was set back in six in the 600s sometime, and it was set to coincide with the pagan practice of the solstice so that Christmas was a Christian addition, which is what you were talking about, to what was going on in the world around it. It was taking what they already had and saying, no, this is God coming into us. This is a new light. The light of Christ is coming into the world and it's getting brighter and brighter. And that's an exciting thing to be thinking about. So yeah. go, keep going, go keep going. Go I'm going to spend a little time on this, and the season of Advent is also called the time of already not yet, because part of the message of Jesus coming into the world is that God is here now. We're not we don't have to wait till far away, but the full full fulfillment of God being with us doesn't come until Jesus comes, until God comes again. Jesus comes a second time. So again, the calendar is helping us move through that. Yeah, and I love what you said there, too. One of the things that I am just want to kind of draw out for people, and, and I, love, I appreciate that you mentioned that this is, it only really works in the Northern Hemisphere, and so it was likely some people somewhere in Europe who originally established the liturgical calendar, someone in the Northern Hemisphere set this all up. Um, but what they did is they set up these liturgical seasons to coincide with what was going on outside and, and to look at what God was doing in nature at that time of year, and to then say, like, okay, so if this is what God is doing in nature right now, in the physical world, how will we as people of faith kind of align ourselves and get in rhythm with what God is doing? That's really what the liturgical calendar invites us into. And so, yeah, you gave this great example, right? The days are getting super short. Um, what time does the sun go down there in upstate New York where you're at? It's, it's, is it dark there right now? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty close. 422 today. I looked at the paper this morning. If you want to go to where your sister is in Maine, it's probably like 322. It's dark. <laughs> I know. And, and my friend Tyler is in uh, Norway. And I don't think the sun ever rises up there this time of year for them. Um, but so the right, days are getting shorter. Like you said, the light is growing dimmer. And that, I'm sure, was really terrifying for, you know, for people way back in the day. I'm sure like before they had science and knew all of these pieces, there was always the question of like, well, will the light actually return? Is that actually going to happen this year? Or are we just going to live in perpetual darkness? Um, and so Advent invites us kind of into that expectantly waiting for the light to return and that looking towards the future with hope, with confidence that yes, right, brighter days really are on the horizon. Um, and, and that's a really good, you just think about your life of faith, like that's a good piece to pay attention to at least once a year, if not more. Advent invites us to have an intentional time to focus on that. But there's probably going to be other things that happen throughout the year um, where we need to be reminded of the hope that our faith brings us. So we need to be reminded of the hope that um, the promise of Jesus constantly has for us on the horizon, as you said so eloquently, right now and not yet. Um, anything oh, you want to add about that? You move to Christmas, which is the shortest okay. season of the liturgical year. It's only 12 days, you know, the 12 days of Christmas. And actually, again, following the calendar, those days don't change in terms of length. They're not getting longer. They're not getting shorter. They're just kind of in a period where they're getting ready to go. And then Epiphany comes and the days start getting longer. And in the liturgical calendar, Epiphany is a season, particularly if you look at some of the lessons and so forth that are set in there where we begin to learn about who this Jesus is. He's God with us. He's human. He has the power to change lives. He brings a message of hope. He's got healing. There's all kinds of things that happen during that season. And, that and it's runs. cool. Yeah, I like that way that you highlighted that, of that it's a time as the light is, is definitely returning, right? In terms of what, what is God doing in nature at that time of year, early Early January, February, that's usually when Epiphany falls. Um, yeah, the, like, the light is growing brighter, and, and they, the, the liturgical calendar specifically connects it, as you said, with um, uh, understanding more of who Jesus is. And so I always like to talk about the term Epiphany as aha, and, right? Like when someone it says, is the like, aha season, yeah. Aha, yeah, aha, so, wow. Well, it yeah, begins I, with. With the wise men is where we begin with the liturgical calendar. Supposedly that's when they got there or whatever, saw the light from the star. But then the first Sunday after the epiphany is always the birth of the baptism of Jesus. So, okay, there's God saying, this is my son, listen to him. And, and then the yeah. one, after, one after that, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And the messages go on from there. It keeps growing brighter and brighter. Right. Yeah. And I mean, depending on, right, there's a, we, we have different readings depending on which year we're in, in terms of the lectionary cycle. So here at church, um, sometimes, you know, the readings change every three years. And so there's a three-year cycle to what um, scripture readings we read on a Sunday morning. But I do know that in a lot of, I forget, I think it's the year of Luke. I think it's this year right now. where right, the readings the it, it, You'll, you know, like one will be about Jesus um, healing someone. And so it's this epiphany that like, oh, like Jesus is a healer. And then the next one is Jesus telling a parable. And it's like, oh, 
Jesus is a storyteller. And then the next one is Jesus performing a miracle. And it's like, oh, like Jesus is a miracle worker. And it's kind of cool to follow it in that way of like the different elements of Jesus's character being revealed throughout exactly. this season of Epiphany. And so you think about it, though, right? Like, I don't know what you usually do in that, like, January time of year. I really, I mean, a lot of people will make those New Year's resolutions of, like, I'm going to be different now. Um, and there, there is just something about turning the calendar over that seems to invite us to want to, you know, make these changes in our life. Um, and so I, I kind of think that there's an interesting, you know, coinciding here of, like, as we learn more about Jesus, will that compel us to make some you know, changes in how we live and who we are and how we act. Um, I, I don't know. Do you see any other connections there just in terms of what we talked a lot about, well, you know, the themes of Epiphany, but like, what does it invite us to do? Would you say? I, for me, and this has come more and more strong in recent years, is it's reemphasizing the fact that God is with us. Uh, I, my phrase, my folks at Holy Spirit knew by the time I left there, God's in the middle of this. When we, get into a crisis, something bad would be happening. And you say, where the hell is God in all this? And I just say, God's in the middle of it. I don't know where. But so in the epiphany stories in this epiphany season, we're beginning to see these little, what you call ahas, and I call God's little hellos that say, here I am. I'm here. I'm here. I mean, that's the message Jesus brought. Too many people think of their, of our faith as, you know, that's going to, it's a, a, what is it? A, insurance policy for the end times or whatever it is but jesus is already here and god is already here in our world and and so i think the epiphany season is a time to re again hold up the ahas like you said that's a good that's one of my phrases as well and I, yeah, I like what you said there too well and and you just think about again looking at what god is doing in nature at that point and, and what it would have been like right just that rhythm of the year January and February are really like hard months, you know, like it's usually cold outside. The days are not that bright and long. Um, you're done with Christmas. You don't really have a lot to look forward to other than maybe the Super Bowl. If your team's doing well, go Bills. And then, uh, but you, you, you would need a message of, yeah, God's still here. Even in these like dreary, oppressive days of winter, God is still showing up. I, I really like the way that you've connected that. And we can see how at that particular time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, that could be a really important message to lean into and to be to remind ourselves of in a lot of ways. Cool. Well, all right, Dad. Um, Epiphany, we should mention Epiphany ends with Transfiguration Sunday. And so that's this moment when Jesus is transfigured, right? Like the ultimate aha for Peter um, Jason done. Yeah. Go, keep exactly. going. go ahead. No, take it over. Take it over. Well, then we go from there to Lent, and the word Lent means lengthen. So I think, it, I mean, it was used, the days were lengthening, and it was more obvious by the time you get into Lent. And Lent varies in terms of when it starts, depending on when Easter is. And if you want to know when Easter is, it's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the whatever equinox. <laughs> <laughs> That is very precise. <laughs> and it can be anywhere from March 23rd to April 23rd. It, and it's somewhere in there, something like that. But anyway, the days are getting longer. And then again, in the liturgical calendar, it's a it's a solemn time. It's a time of pen, repentance. And, you know, we talk about it there. 
but it's kind of an awakening to, you know, there's something happening and yeah, the world is dead because again, we're like you pointed out January and February, January and February, at least around here, there's usually snow on the ground. So it isn't that dark. Then the sun comes out and reflects on the sun on the ground. And there can be some, at least in Albany, some bright sunny days once in a while in the winter. But they're always out here in Colorado, Dad. It's the promised land. I'm just telling you. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But you might not have the snow every day. (laughs) You do get it, but then it goes away. Anyway, the the Lenten season is that time of again reflection. And again, if you want to tie it to what's going on in the world around, um, the trees are still looking kind of dead around here. I mean, for sure, around here there's no sign of life yet. It's it's a dead time, but there's something happening, and the and the times are getting, you know, there's a there there's anticipating something coming along the way that's going to be, who knows what. Yeah, I mean, Lent and, and Advent, I think, were originally meant to be almost like parallel seasons in a lot of ways. We've changed that quite a little bit over the years, but I remember reading about how they were both meant to be these seasons of of repentance, of self-reflection, of preparing ourselves. So you can see some of the parallels there. But I like what you're talking about. The, the way that I always think about Lent is that it is the time of the year when when you have to till the soil. You, you've got to go out. If you want to have a garden, if you want to do some planting, um, then you, you need to do the hard work of right, like really digging up the soil, turning it over, getting it ready for the growing season that is in the future. But that starts with the really hard work. And I think Lent's usually the, the liturgical season people are most familiar with. Um, and there's that practice, right? Everyone's like, oh, what are you giving up for Lent? That, that's a common conversation folks have. But this whole giving up, like, it's because it's supposed to be a season of real self-reflection, of tilling the soil of your soul, of really trying to prepare yourself and do some good inner work so that new life can take hold within you, so that God can do something new um, through you in the days and weeks ahead. And so, again, we're seeing this parallel between what's going on outside, what God's doing in nature, and then also what we're invited to do as people of faith um, as we live out our faith through this yearly cycle. Anything more you want to say about that? I would add also that we need to be paying attention to what's going on in the world around us, and that's not going to be affected necessarily by the seasons, but it can help us approach what's going on i mean like the pandemic for example in terms of where does does that lead us as we work through all these kinds of things where is god in all this having read this book you gave me it's one of the the lines particularly god's Mm -hmm. in us and that's kind of part of what happens in the lenten season and lent ends then with holy week and you see Jesus hanging on the cross and the disciples and everybody says, and even Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It feels like God is gone and lost and all hope is lost. And then we get to Easter. And that, Well, don't go to Easter yet. I do just okay. want to say, because um, I'm glad you brought up Holy Week, because it's this really, it's not a liturgical season, but it's a part of the way that the church keeps time, right? We tell that story of the last week of Jesus's life every year. And we make a special point of talking about Jesus's death. Um, And even having that day in between when it's not Easter yet and Jesus has died and you're just stuck in this really hopeless, despairing space. 
And I think that's really valuable that the church encourages us through the calendar to consider our grief and our loss and our struggle um, one, at least once a year through the movements of Holy Week. I, I just, I always think, I always get so disappointed, um, you know, as a pastor, I'm sure you felt it too, where there's, there's so many people who come to church on, on Palm Sunday of Jesus's triumphal entry and on Easter Sunday of Jesus's triumphal resurrection. And it's just like, wait, wait, like there's a really important part that we also, we don't want to pay attention to, but we need to, we need to address it is that Jesus died and it felt like all hope was lost. And, and there will be times in our life of faith when we feel that as well. And so it can be really good to right? like, I think, I think Good Friday invites us to literally practice the grieving process in some small way. Um, cause it will be a reality for all of us in life. And if we just jump over it and go from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, well, I, I, we might be a little ill-prepared for when things really get difficult in our, in our daily life elsewhere. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, a <laughs> lot. <laughs> um, agreed with you on, on the feeling of it. I mean, Palm, Good Friday also, again, it, it feels all hope is lost. But there I go back to my line, God's in the middle of this and recognize that at the cross, we see that God walks with us in the suffering and the pain. And like you, if you don't do Good Friday, Easter is a nice, sun, fun Sunday. But the, the joy, the surprise, the hope, the excitement is lost if you haven't gone through, even consider going from the point where you thought all all hope was lost. This guy who we thought was God was gone and for sure God's done. And then you come in on Easter Sunday and no, 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 that's not the end. That's only the, that, you know, here it is. You know, I thought you were dead. Oh, well, yeah. I used this as an illustration once in an Easter sermon and I got told, hey, that was a good one. <laughs> um <laughs> That that um the the uh oh shoot where did you go Are you still here I'm still here did you forget it you forgot your Easter no no <laughs> no the illustration was what would you do if you went to uh, um to a funeral and you you know you saw the casket and your friend your loved one has died and you buried him and then the next day. Or two days later, all of a sudden you see this person alive and you go, one, you might be a little scared at first, but two, when you found out it was a reality, it's pretty darn exciting. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then you get the whole Easter season and the Easter season the liturgical calendar, as I said way back when we started, is a seven weeks long. And that's because it every Sunday is supposed to be a celebration of Easter, but it's a week of a week of Sundays. So one, you know, like you got a week, seven day week, there's seven Sundays in Easter. Those are, we think it's just that one, sun, many think it's that one Sunday where we all come together and celebrate after Holy Week, but all the Sundays, the next six Sundays following that are also part of Easter. And, and I don't know, I've never heard that week of Sundays before. You taught me something new today, Dad. That's good. Cool. Okay. I didn't realize all of that. And, and well, then in that time of year, again, here we're now we're into April and May and then life is beginning to bud all over. And I don't know about you, but every time when I see those first green buds showing up on the trees, it is 
exhilarating. It's ah, winter's over, new life is coming, and then the trees get, you know, I try to watch. All of a sudden, the leaves are all over the place, and right, and it's it, it, it's again a great example of how these things lined up, and so we see what God is doing in nature and in the world around us, and we tell the stories every year that specifically speak to exactly what we see happening, right? Like, because things were dead and it was desolate. And then life came back again, you know, of the buds bursting forth. And that all does tend to align with Easter, depending on, you know, how, uh, how well things line up. I think it was two years ago. Yeah, I think Easter during the pandemic out here in Colorado, we had snow. Um, so that was weird um, and not good for illustrations, but sometimes that's the way it happens. We got there eventually. <laughs> I've, had, I've had snow on Easter in upstate New York, yes. <laughs> and then, so then Easter, as you said, seven weeks long, we tend to usually tell stories of Jesus after his resurrection um, during that time of year. It's also a time of year when um, you might hear a lot of stories from the book of Acts. And so it's about the early Christian church and, hey, here's how they, you know, like took forward this message of resurrection. Here's the new life that happened, the new ministry that happened even after Jesus's death and resurrection. Here's where it went from there. So, again, you can see where a lot of these things line up. And, again, the way that it encourages us to make similar considerations for our life and how we live out our faith each and every day of, yeah, what am I going to do that's different? I, I'd like to, one of my practices, I don't usually make New Year's resolutions, but I make Easter resolutions. Um, that just seems to be more in line for me as a person of faith to be thinking about how, yeah, what positive changes or adjustments can I make as I lean into this season of new life and new possibility. Um, but then what comes after Easter, Dad? Comes Pentecost. And it begins with that huge celebration. Uh, the color is red in the liturgical calendar and the tongues of fire. We hear that story. But it really, that story is the ascension. And then this Jesus, or God, through the Holy Spirit, sending us out to get the word out. Again, that God is here. God's in the middle of this. And then the church begins to grow. And then we have the season of Pentecost, which follows Pentecost Sunday, and is anywhere, I think it's from 23 to 28 Sundays of Pentecost. Uh, and that's the green season. That's the color of the stoles and all that. But it's also the green season in which summer comes, the trees are bloom, budding out, the leaves are all, and things are growing. There's life showing up. And that's what the church needs to be about at that point, helping us to grow and, and look forward to God with us. Exactly. And I'm going to throw a wrench in all of this as well. So, yes, it's a green and growing season, and, and that's what it's kind of looking towards is now that we've made our way through this cycle of months and, and, and themes, like now it's our chance to continue to grow in our faith. Um, but here's the other thing about Pentecost that I realized not too long ago. It's, it's super long, as you mentioned, right, like 28 weeks. So that's four weeks of Sundays, right, super long. And I think it's a little boring. <laughs> there's not, not, a lot, there's not a lot of church holidays in there. Um, you know, like it just, it's just, it's repetitive. And, and I think that's important too, though, is to recognize that sometimes in our life, in our walk of faith, there are seasons of faith that are just repetitive, that are just going through the motions. And that's important too. And that's okay. Um, that's the one thing that I love about the liturgical calendar. We've kind of been talking about all these themes. 
is that it, it's also like it's giving permission for you during your walk of faith to, to embrace these different emotions that we might have. And so it's okay to feel like things are very, very desolate. And, and you're, you know, you're worried, will the light return? Like there might be a season of faith where that happens. And Advent says, hey, that's okay. That's a part of our walk of faith. And in the same sense with Pentecost, right? Like it's saying like, hey, there's going to be a time at Wesley as a person of faith where it's just going to feel like you're going through the motions. And you know what? That's okay too. <laughs> like That's part of this whole journey that we're on together. And there will be seasons where it feels like that to you. So that, that was a, an insight I had recently that I really appreciate because, yeah, I definitely have felt like I'm just going through the motions sometimes. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever thought about the boredom of Pentecost before or if that's uh, just your young son being a little too cavalier with the liturgical seasons. But um, I, I know <laughs> it's, it's like this pat, the season, year B, it's, it really hits me when Pentecost when we come to John six for six weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. There, there, there was a time this past summer where we read from John chapter six, six Sundays in a row. Um, right. You probably yeah. were on vacation for one of those Sundays, dear listener. Um, <laughs> well, and, well, as a pastor, I tried to take my vacation. During <laughs> <laughs> no, but there is, I think there is also real wisdom in embracing and in, uh, the, the boredom sometimes of just recognizing like, yeah, like it's not always going to be exciting and thrilling. Um, and we don't have to constantly be, you know, stimulated and, um, overwhelmed by these big thoughts. Like sometimes it's just showing up and going through the motions and being a person of faith today, even if that's a little bit boring. Um, so there you go. That was a, a tour de force, our look of this liturgical calendar. And I like that the way we did this, right? Like really highlighting how the church is encouraging us um, to recognize that the walk of faith has different seasons and flows to it. And, and so through moving through this liturgical calendar each and every year, we're invited to embrace and pay attention to these different pieces um, so that when it pops up in our normal life, we'll be ready and prepared. You know, we'll, we'll kind of have an understanding of how our faith can still carry us through difficult times um, or how our faith can, you know, be really vibrant and celebratory and exciting. Um, anything more you want to say about any of this? No, there's lots of things to say always. I think we did a pretty good job. And if we get any longer, nobody will listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting bored. Dad's afraid of the boredom of it all. <laughs> uh, Dad, thanks a lot. It's always fun to chat with you um, here on the podcast. And just in general, thanks for your time with this. And you, dear listener, thanks for taking the time to listen. Um, I hope you are encouraged to keep time just a little bit differently and to pay attention to some of these themes that our church calendar invites us into. Stay in peace, everyone. Thank you.